Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, August the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, one more practice report from Tampa Bay ahead of Friday night's game. We'll get you caught up on all the injuries, the lineups, the performances, and a strange story regarding Minka Fitzpatrick. Plus, we dive into game day with the 10 things to expect from preseason game number two tomorrow night at the Big Pirate Ship. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. We are the only Dolphins podcast to broach the top 200 on iTunes, so subscribe, rate, and review the show accordingly. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and the show's at LockedOnFins, as well as our written content up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and the new rebranded Locked On NFL podcast with expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and his new co-host Brian Peacock. We have a busy show today. Let's jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I never expected to begin a podcast with this as my lead story, but some disgruntled actions or words coming from not just Minka Fitzpatrick, but also his family. And we talked a lot last year about how Fitzpatrick was constantly put into the wrong positions on the field. You go back to his Alabama days, he played the star position. And what the star position means is that you're basically going to play a lot of nickel corner and line up in the slot, match up on tight ends and slot receivers. You're going to play some too deep, too high safety looks. You're going to come down in the box and support the run. And that's pretty much what Fitzpatrick has been doing all throughout camp in the preseason. And again, this week in Tampa Bay, I posted a video up on my Twitter timeline at Wingfield NFL showing a comparison between Patrick Chung and he supporting in the run game down inside the box inside the B gap even where a lot of linebackers typically will line up at and that's what Fitzpatrick has done but apparently he and his family aren't big fans of that move there was a tweet from Omar Kelly of the South Florida Sun Sentinel where he said that Minka Fitzpatrick is not having the best day today or maybe all throughout camp and Minka Fitzpatrick's parents Twitter account responded saying basically Minka is in the wrong position being used to help the other people on the football team not what he does best because he's not a strong safety and you go deeper beyond that of course the beat guys did a great job of asking Minka about that comment and Minka didn't back down off of what his parents or his mother whoever said that he didn't back down off of what they said He said, I'm not 215 pounds, I'm not 220 pounds, so playing in the box isn't best suited for me, but that's what coach is asking me to do. I'm going to go out there and practice my hardest. I might lose some of the matchups in the box, but I'm going to try my hardest. The coaches know what my skill set is. I talk to them. They know I can cover, end quote. 
And we go back last year when Matt Burke essentially was changing Fitzpatrick's roles and responsibilities on the fly throughout the week. Like he would get there for game day or maybe to a lesser extent at the Saturday walkthrough before the game. But even still, it's unexcusable for the defensive coordinator to change a player's role the day before the game because how the hell is he supposed to prepare for that? And so now that Fitzpatrick comes in this year and he's not happy with this role, that's a little bit concerning to me. But the part that I think is positive... Both veterans, TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones, are missing time due to injury. And those are both guys that are going to come in and play that type of role. I expressed my displeasure with both Jones and McDonald playing back off the line of scrimmage, 10, 15, 20 yards off the ball. That hasn't been the case this year. They've put both those guys down around the box, down around the line of scrimmage, and have them working forward. So I think this is only temporary. They're just trying to cross-train Minka to get him ready for a case where both those guys get injured because that has happened before. So it's a little bit concerning, but I don't think it's something we should cry about just yet unless we see it going forward on game day. Other news from practice on Wednesday, Kenyon Drake is in a walking boot. It does not look good, though he says it's no big deal. I guess we're going to see. I would presume you should put more stock into Kalen Balaj in your fantasy league. And if you had August 14th, as your Devontae Parker initial injury date, go ahead and cash in your ticket at the window. He was down at practice with an undisclosed injury, but the good news at wide receiver, another receiver, Albert Wilson, participated in 7-on-7 seven seven once again, the second straight day that he did team drills and not just going through the individual portion. So he is working his way back. Terrell Hanks, the undrafted linebacker from New Mexico, he was back out there on Wednesday. And we're going to get to the players not expected to play in tomorrow night's game in the preview segment. And that's coming up in segment two and segment three. But for now, we're going to go back out to the practice field and discuss some of the happenings from Wednesday's practice and play some sound for you from Coach Flores on Tuesday's practice regarding the quarterback battle. And that's where we start here today. Josh Rosen opened up practice and took the majority of the reps with the first team. Again, we saw this coming after the showing on Thursday night against the Falcons. Both Rosen and Preston Williams opened up walkthroughs with the first team. So the duo, the pair, the guys making all the hay in the passing game, they get the elevation to the first team. A 22-year-old second-year pro, an undrafted rookie, encouraging signs for the future of this Dolphins offense because, let's face it, we need both these guys to show something for us to have hope and excitement for the offense going forward into next season where maybe they can kind of repair the offensive line and just rely on the current incumbent quarterback receivers and running backs on the roster. But back to Rosen, he plays a lot of Wednesday's practice with the first team. And I think this is a pretty obvious, a pretty clear indicator of what their plan is at the position. I do believe they still have Fitzpatrick as the number one because, well, he is going to start. But I also think they have Josh Rosen in a position where they can get him the most reps because the number one quarterback in these games, especially a 15-year veteran, a 36-year-old quarterback, he doesn't need as many reps as the 22-year-old. It's not even close. So Fitzpatrick can start the game, give you a series or two, and then you bring Rosen on to play the third or fourth series, whatever it is, with the first team. He gets two or three series with that first team. You take them off the field, and then Rosen stays out there with the second team and plays well into the second half. But one of the concerning things about Josh Rosen has been some of the body language and the demeanor of him at the practice. And I saw this when I was out there myself, that he would miss a throw, he'd be off target, he'd be late in his timing. And rather than having a discussion with his teammates, he would hang his head and kind of sulk a little bit. And that's what Coach Flores kind of got on Josh Rosen for. And I want to play you guys an audio clip here. 
from Coach Flores on Josh Rosen after Tuesday's practice in Tampa Bay. I thought he practiced okay. You know, from the naked eye, I think he's got to do a better job getting guys in and out of the huddle, his communication, you know, body language. I mean, there were some plays there he didn't like, and we just got to move on to the next play. Uh, and that's the case for him. All the court- And you hear him talk about the body language and the exasperated kind of sigh and pause he had right there in that speech. He really had the look on his face as if to say, it's not good enough. And I know this is kind of nitpicking, but... He definitely, it definitely bothers coach when Josh Rosen's out there sulking or hanging his head or showing bad body language and bad demeanor because, as Flores says, leadership and the way you communicate yourself both verbally and non-verbally to your teammates is very, very important to him. He thinks it's an underrated aspect of playing quarterback in this league, and it's clear that he wants to impart that wisdom and impart those traits onto his young quarterback in Josh Rosen. It just looks to me like they all believe he still has a long way to go. Josh himself admits he has a long way to go. We're going to cover that in the preview piece. We'll get to that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast when we come back, as well as wrap up the rest of Wednesday's practice notes here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. We played some sound from Coach Flores to wrap up that first segment here on the Thursday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, but he also had some words after Wednesday's practice for first-round rookie Christian Wilkins, and we're kind of jumping on the last two first-round picks of this Dolphins franchise on today's podcast, but he repeatedly talked about Christian Wilkins needing to improve his pad level, coming off the ball too high, how he wants him to get lower. And you go back to the Miami Dolphins Twitter account, their Twitter timeline, they had a good video of the defensive line players working with Marion Hobby, the defensive line coach, and Patrick Graham on the individual sled drill. And they had those guys punching and shedding that that sled right in front of them, showing heavy hands and eyes. And Coach Graham kept saying, keep your hands in front of your eyes, keep your hands in front of your eyes, see what you hit. And so I think there's probably still some teaching that has to happen for Christian Wilkins to get himself more acclimated in this defense, which is much different than what he did at Clemson, where he pretty much wanted to one gap and rush upfield and get in with quickness. He has to learn how to play with more discipline and more power on this defensive scheme. And I think he can do it. It's just going to take a little bit of time. So don't get upset about Christian Wilkins, maybe not performing to a high level in these first couple of preseason games. Relax, give him some time. It's going to be fine. For other guys that are adapting to the system and the scheme, Nate Orchard and Jonathan Ledbetter once again with the first team defensive line. Expect to see those guys start on Friday night because that's what the staff does. They're going to give guys the reps in practice and those guys will start the game in the preseason. And with Jonathan Ledbetter, the heavy hands and the good eye discipline and Nate Orchard, much of the same. Those guys have earned that work and they're going to get it. On yesterday's podcast, we talked about Isaiah Prince having a rough day at practice on Tuesday. The same story occurred on Wednesday. It sounds like he was just dreadful out there again and has to pick things up for the game. We'll talk more about him in a minute. Jamal Wiltz, the other cornerback competing for work outside of Eric Rowe and Xavier Howard, and of course, Minka Fitzpatrick. He gets himself another interception, and I saw somebody say that Jamal Wiltz has been fading since the beginning of camp. 
The complete opposite of that is true, just to be completely transparent with you guys. He started off kind of rough, he struggled, but he really rebounded, got himself into the first team, and has been competing for ball for snaps and getting his hands on balls over and over again and making plays from the slot, from the outside. This is a guy that's going to play a lot this year, both in dime defense and maybe even in some big nickel and 4-2-5 nickel looks as well. Kalen Balaj, another big-time touchdown for him. He looks great these last couple of days, according to the Dolphins' beat guys. He had a nice touchdown run, but they took Mark Walton across the formation in, in motion, and that's something to keep an eye on, too. They have Mark Walton as the third running back. Also, they want to use 21 personnel with two tailbacks, not just Kalen Balaj and Chandler Cox, but they ran the ball to the right off of that misdirection motion, and Jesse Davis and Shaq Calhoun combined to make a path for him, and Daniel Kilgore buried a man about six feet deep underneath the practice facility there in Tampa Bay. Very nice looking run blocking combo. I think that those two guys, Davis and Calhoun, might give the Dolphins a strong power running game off the right side of that offensive line, if nothing else for you. Going back over to the defense, there was another change on the first team cornerback spot. And this one, again, continues to be very strange. Chris Lamonds, who I have pretty much as the last man on the outside of the entire defensive back group, he was playing first team cornerback over Eric Rowe, who apparently had his own struggles in practice on Wednesday. That's interesting because he was doing some work at safety earlier in camp, and I just don't know how he finds his way onto this roster. More injury potential news. Laramie Tunzel did not participate in the team drills. I imagine he'll be down for the game on Friday night, which probably means more Jordan Mills at left tackle for all you guys that did not get enough of that last Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons. And with that, we can go ahead and segue right into our article up on LockdownDolphins.com. The Dolphins Buccaneers preview for game number two of the preseason, what to expect. And we start with that injured list. But first, I want to talk about the importance of these joint practices and what they provide a team like the Dolphins or really any team across the league. And now it's become so prevalent that pretty much everybody is doing these joint practices. But you go back just a few years, the Patriots were really one of the only teams at that time. There was a couple others, but for the most part, the Patriots were the ones that were always doing joint practices. And the reason for it was because they could get more live reps against a team in another color jersey across from them. And it simulates more gameplay rather than hitting your own guys in friendly fire. And then you get those reps in the controlled environment. There's no, or I guess a less of a risk of injury. And then come game night, you don't have to give those same guys the reps. You can get the rest of the depth on the roster, those game reps, and have double the evaluation that way. So these joint practices really help in that regard, especially at the quarterback position where, again, I assume that Ryan Fitzpatrick might only play 10, 12, maybe 15 snaps in this game on Friday night. I mean, why do you have to have him out there? One, you do want him to get more acclimated in this offense, and a big part of that is seeing the live bullets but he can get those in these joint practices. So give him the reps there and let's get Josh Rosen the actual game day light, game day reps under the lights when it matters the most and get him most work with both the first team and the second team. And that is point number 10 on the article. We're going to go back to the top of the article now. Again, it's up on LockedOnDolphins.com, what to expect in tomorrow night's game. And there is a long list of Dolphins injuries on here that really... 
I don't know at what point we start to get concerned, but there are so many guys missing time that you wonder, how is this team going to be ready for opening day, especially at the linebacker position where Raekwon McMillan, Chase Allen, Kiko Alonso, Quinton Pulling, and now suddenly Andrew Van Ginkle also is not ready to go. Expect all five of those guys to be down. Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant obviously will not play. Running back Kenyon Drake was in a boot. He's not going to play. Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, probably not going to play either. Walt Akins has been nursing an injury. I assume he's out. And then, of course, the two PUP guys in Cordrea Tankersley and Robert Kim Diche. And one of the things I want to see most in this game, and I know it's an exhibition game that doesn't count in the standings and really is probably irrelevant in the long-term scheme of things, but I do want to see how this team performs in a road game because we know Adam Gaze can win games at Hard Rock Stadium. That was never an issue for him. But the Dolphins were 7-17 seven and 17 under Adam Gaze on official road games. And if you count games away from Hard Rock Stadium, like the Saints game in London in 2017, which was technically a home game, but again, it was away from Hard Rock, as well as the Pittsburgh game in the playoffs in 2016. Playoffs, the Dolphins were 7-19 and on the road under Adam Gase, a 269 winning percentage. And not just that they lose those games, they got blown out in those games more times than not, and they were always flat and unprepared. We heard that story about the Vikings game last year when they came out for warm-ups and the Vikings play-by-play man basically said, I don't know what the hell they're doing. There's no real rhyme or reason or direction to their pregame preparation. And this kind of coincides with what I saw before the Patriots game last year when Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James were playing catch for like 15 minutes, working on getting their toe taps in along the sideline. I mean, I don't know why the tackles got to practice that, but there was just no real structure as far as how this team traveled on the road. I'm excited to see what that looks like under Brian Flores. Again, albeit in an exhibition game, so that bears watching. That list of injured players obviously bears watching. The joint practices was our 10th point of the article up there. Let's go ahead and jump back into the rest of these 10 things to expect from Dolphins and Bucks. But first, real quick, sounds like Vita Vea, Levante David, Justin Evans, and maybe Mike Evans and Scotty Milner will not play in the game. That was a list given to me by a Bucks beat writer. So we'll see if that's actually true or not. I don't have as much confirmation on those guys as I do the Dolphins guys. But the first point of this article before we go to our next break, is stacking consecutive good performances from a number of these guys. I'm talking about the guys that played well in the first game, guys that you maybe didn't expect, because what has been the message of Coach Flores' entire offseason? It's been completely redundant talking about consistency. We want guys that can do it every single day, be the same guy day in, day out, yada, yada, yada. You've heard the whole spiel, but we've had several guys that stood out in that first preseason game. Can they stack up a second good preseason game with some practices in between and really make that next step towards not just making the roster, but playing significant reps come Sundays in September? And we start again with Ledbetter and Orchard, those first team promotions. Can they earn those? Can they do it against first team offensive linemen? Really excited to see that. The same is true of Dwayne Hendricks, who I assume we see with the second team. He's been sacking quarterbacks every day in practice and again in the game two more times. Isaiah Prince, a good game. Can he sandwich those bad practices with a good game on the backside and now the front side in game number two? He needs that badly. Jamal Wiltz and Cornell Armstrong, I thought, played really well in the game and have come on in camp. Can they do it again? Can they put together back-to-back good games? The same is true for some UDFA linebackers, Terrell Hanks and Trey Watson. 
Both those guys are very job and scheme and package specific. Can they continue to show their worth in those packages? And then lastly, Michael Dunn, Trenton Irwin, Miles Gaskin, and Torrey McTire, I thought, all played well in that preseason opener. They need to do it again. They have to do it again to get themselves in position to maybe have a shot at making this roster, even though right now, at this point, it is a long shot. And we're going to come back on the other side and get to the rest of this article and get to things to expect from the game tomorrow. But first, if you're expecting your date with that girl from Tinder, from the bar, from work, wherever you met her to go well, then you better get prepared with Manscaped. Support for Locked On Dolphins comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You've seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. We are back in action on the softball diamond tonight after a couple of weeks off. We had a cancellation last week, and your boy was in South Florida missing the previous doubleheader, but we opened the playoffs tonight. A really weird bracket. I'm not sure what this guy that is in charge of this league is doing, but he has a four-week tournament, which is half double elimination, half triple elimination, I guess. I don't really understand it, but... We get back out there tonight trying to avenge our three consecutive losses in championship final rounds going back the last three years. I'm really hoping this is the year we get over that hump and do not become the Buffalo Bills. But with that, speaking of the Buffalo Bills, let's get back into some football here and talk about the other eight points we have not covered from the article up on LockdownDolphins.com. Dolphins-Buccaneers preseason game two preview. What to expect on Friday night. We talked about consistency from the guys that played well in game number one. We talked about the value of the joint practices. And we go right back here, of course, to the quarterback battle. And I know we've touched on this several times already in the podcast, but Fitzpatrick's going to start. They're going to get Rosen on the field after that with the first team and the second team. But I think that one of the big reasons you want to get Rosen all these looks against live bullets is that he himself admits that he's behind in the mental aspect of the game. He's talked about how impressive it is to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick get up to the line of scrimmage, bark out the protection, bark out the coverage of the defense, and get his boys put in the right position. And he feels like once he gets there himself with all the physical tools that he has, or at least that he self-proclaims himself to have, that he thinks he can be a dangerous player in this league once he gets there. And I want to see him get there to see if he can actually do it. The sooner it happens, the better, Josh, because there's a great quarterback uh, class coming down the pipeline next year in the 2020 NFL Draft. I do think this is a big, big night for the overall battle for the opening day starter rights come September 8th against the Baltimore Ravens. Point number four we're on here is the unicorn. And I'm talking, of course, about Preston Williams. Is the unicorn stoppable? This guy has transcended cult hero into full-fledged training camp legend. And frankly, he's earned it. He had a really nice first couple of weeks of practice, a smashing debut in the preseason opener. And then, of course, that video where he embarrassed that poor Buccaneers cornerback. I just want to see if he can continue to show the or the consistent success that he has had. And it's interesting they keep putting him on punt team, punt return, even fielding some punts. They are going to make him check that ego at the door and make sure that he's willing to work because the talent is there. And like Coach Flores says, if you can tirelessly work and you have that talent to get the most out of that talent, that's when you find the player that you want. 
It's a big night for the offensive line. I think we know that by now. Michael Dieter and Shaq Calhoun, both I thought did okay in run blocking, but give us something in the passing game. Is Laramie Tunzel going to play? I don't see why he would. And that means Jordan Mills probably comes in and plays left tackle. Let's see if he can kind of bounce back from that horrible showing. And then on the offensive line, starting wise, Jesse Davis and Daniel Kilgore had just 13 snaps, but I thought they were the best of the starting bunch. Can these guys, one of the two, develop and show us a surefire starter among the other four not named Tunzel? Because we need that from someone, preferably Jesse Davis at right tackle. That would be a huge win. Another point here, what exactly is Jerome Baker's role? He played 15 snaps, had five tackles, three of which came within two yards of the line of scrimmage, but in training camp, he was constantly in the A-gaps, showing pressure, backing out, blitzing off the edge, and getting heavily involved as a pass rusher, but that did not happen one time on Thursday. So what gives? Do they have an actual role for him to do that this season, or are they experimenting to find out what he does best? I think Friday will give us some more clues. The bounce back from Minka Fitzpatrick, and we talked about that weird exchange to open the podcast, but he had those missed tackles in the game on Thursday. He's had a rough couple of days of practice, according to beat writers, which again, we'll see if that actually has merit, but can he bounce back? I think he can. I'm not worried about this guy, but I am going to watch for that kind of stuff. We talked about the 21 personnel package with the two backs on the field. Chandler Cox playing 14 snaps last week in the preseason opener. But who backs up Chandler Cox if he gets hurt? Is it Nick O'Leary? Is it Durham Smythe? I want to keep an eye on those fullbacks as well as two back sets with Mark Walton and Kalen Balazs. I talked about Jordan Mills having a test of his mettle, and the same thing is true with our point number nine here, the mental toughness test. Will Nick Needham, will Jordan Mills, will Charles Harris step up after he got demoted from the first team defensive line? He was a guy that said he was thinking too much his rookie season, and then last year didn't really play a whole lot faster. Is this the final nail in Charles Harris's coffin? If he's mentally weak, I think it will be. He needs to step up in that department. And the same is true for the UDFA, Nick Needham. Just show us a response because that's going to give Coach Flores an idea about the type of character this kid has. And that's something this staff obviously covets very, very dearly. And the last one, who steps in for Kenyon Drake, who is now down? Miles Gaskin had a great game on Thursday. Patrick Laird did too. Both those guys work after practice every single day. I saw them leave the field last pretty much every day at practice I was there. And Mark Walton, who has had an impressive week of practice against the Buccaneers, he is pretty clearly in line for that third tailback job, which elevates up to backup running back in the event that Kenyon Drake is down for an extended period of time. And we'll see what happens going forward with that position group. But the Dolphins last Thursday, they pretty much played every healthy body they had, at least a few snaps. The competition all throughout camp has been fierce and one of changing roles and depth charts and different starters. And as the season draws closer, we might see them start to condense the workload and give more attention to the guys that they believe are going to be here for the long haul all season long. Keep an eye on special teams. Keep an eye on third team offense and defense. That could provide some clues as far as who is going to play on this team come opening day against the Ravens. All right, guys, that's going to be my time. We have a podcast tomorrow. It's a crossover with the host of Locked on Bucks, James Yarko. And of course, after the game Friday night, I'll have a column for you guys on LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll have live tweets. We'll have videos from the game, breaking stuff down. And of course, a podcast to wrap it all up. We are your go-to source every single day here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast. And if you have not done so yet, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Look, every download I get, whether or not you listen to the podcast or not, 
helps me. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, play them all out, leave us a rating, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Let's roll, get your mother